Hi, I'm Alex Jump, and this is Focus on Health, a podcast dedicated to discussing and bringing to light topics surrounding health, wellness, and workplace culture in the food and beverage industry. Through these conversations, I hope to explore the unique challenges that hospitality workers face from workplace relationships and work-life balance to guest interactions and everything in between. This week, my guest is Mary Pallack. A Bay Area native, Mary has worked in hospitality for nearly 20 years. Having participated in programs such as Speedrack, The Cat Program, Bar 5 Day, and Bar Mania, Mary has made a name for herself as one of the top bartenders in the United States. Hi everyone, I'm Alex Jump and this is Focus on Health. Today I have with me Bay Area native and longtime industry veteran, Mary Pollock. Hey Mary! Hi. Did I say your last name right? I've actually yeah. realized I've never said it to you in person. <laughs> You actually said it perfect. Everyone oh, always yay. says Palak, which I never correct because it sounds, and I always be like, mm, that sounds more Filipino. That makes sense. But it's actually like Palak, like as in I'm your pal. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's fair too. Um, well, yay. I'm glad I nailed it on the first try um, and that I've not been pronouncing it wrong this whole time. <laughs> um, so, all right. We met, I don't know, probably like six years ago or so back at Camp Runamuck, but admittedly, you know, we've never really spent very much quality time together. For all intents and purposes, I would say we're very friendly acquaintances. Um, That's probably a fair assessment, right? Yeah, I think that's accurate. Yeah. So that being said, when you and I were kicking back and forth some topics that we could talk about on this podcast, the first topic that you brought up was community. And that kind of rings a bell with me um, with uh, so many things. Um, Most importantly being that our community in the food and beverage world is so strong. Um, It's really what kind of like drove me into wanting to work in this industry in the first place. I saw, um, you know, I just like, I saw all these these people that, you know, were lifting each other up. And I like, I wanted to be a part of that. And that's a huge benefit to working in this field that that goes without saying, Mm -hmm. but there's also, I think some issues that come along with that as well. And this topic has come up a couple of times on the podcast before, but it's this issue of, you know, viewing our coworkers. um, And in this instance, even our community at large as family Mm -hmm. and it's great to have that kind of support from your community. And I, I'm actually really excited to be talking to you about this because I think any person in our industry, if they thought of somebody who uplifts community and who, you know, like derives the sense of community, you would be a person that comes very high up on their mind. Um, but I guess what I wanted to kind of dive into is the issues that can come up when we have problems separating our work family and community from you know our personal lives and how in a lot of ways this can kind of keep us trapped in this little bubble and prevent us from having like well-rounded lives outside of work um, which is a topic that's very I'm very passionate about it's really important to me Um, and another top that's kind of an unrelated but related topic that you also brought up when we were talking about what we should talk about on this episode um yeah, there's not really like a, there's not really like a, a whole well-rounded question within that, but I guess there's like a lot of things to un, unpack. Yeah, no, that, that makes total sense to me. I mean, I, 
I grew up in a big Filipino family. And so like the sense of family and community was, has always been um, a value for me. And it's, it's really interesting because like, particularly in my family, we could be like very distantly, distantly or not even really related, but I'll still call you my cousin, my auntie or uncle. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that sense of familiarity, I, I've just grown up, grown up with. And I think in a lot of the work, like even outside the industry, in my workplaces, I've always kind of seen um, those those coworkers and teammates I've been close with as family as well. But like, in, particularly in the past few years, as I've done a lot of work on myself and figuring out what my what's important to me and how I can take better care of myself, um, yeah, that's that's been like a real kind of um, a lesson, a hard lesson for me to, to learn is that I might love and care about my teammates and really do see them as like, like in, in many ways as my family. But at the end of the day, we are working in a business, <laughs> you know, right. At the, end of the day, you know, like, um, as much as I care about like my bosses, my owner, and the, the owners of the business and stuff like that, um, it's not mine. And the only things that are mine are like the things that, that, that I can control, the things that I, I do at the job. So it's, it's been a hard lesson because I, I remember um, <clears throat> at a, I forget where I was, it might've been like a, a woman in a leadership conference maybe a couple years ago. And someone brought this up about how she didn't like when her she was she was managing a bar program and she didn't like how her teammates and her employees like called her mom or bar mom or um that kind of thing and i'm like i reacted like why not i love that because i don't have any kids or anything the you know the bartenders i train they're my Mm -hmm. kids right i think there's many there's many of us out there like that but then i that reaction even for me i had to kind of like sit with and think why did I react like that like she has absolutely you know that makes sense that she would, wouldn't want to be called a mom or call these adult people <laughs> <laughs> kids hey <laughs> we are not actually responsible for them you know at the end of the day you know we're as much as we can mentor people and bring them up and teach them um, they're going to make whatever choices they're going to make. And that doesn't necessarily have to reflect completely on you. Um, so that was something that I've kind of had to, and it's also a, kind of finding a healthy balance of that because um, like when a, a couple of my team members who I personally trained uh, decided to leave the bar um, in the past year, it broke my heart, like on a very personal, like, personal level. And, but like, I, obviously I wish them well and I'm, I'm still friends with them and you know want them to succeed in whatever career path they're taking but the, I realized that that it wasn't really healthy how personally I took it because as their friend you're like what did I how was yeah. I not good enough like um how was I not a good enough bar mom <laughs> you know like uh and again that's, that's a, yeah that falls back on that's not that's not my life to choose you know that's not that's, those are their decisions and I wholly support them. Um, but I couldn't help that, like that initial reaction of just like, no. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, it brings up this question that I have been thinking about, which is like, you know, when we work in a, in a very large community filled with camaraderie, which is, I, I do not want, I can't stress this enough. Like the camaraderie that comes with working in this industry is incredible. And I don't want to diminish that by having this conversation. And I hope everyone knows that, but like we work in this community that's filled with camaraderie and these like quote unquote family values. Um, but how do we balance that and set boundaries, but also not seem like cold or unwelcoming because the field that we work in is based on welcoming everyone into your home, like their family. Um, so like, how do we balance that? You know, like one thing that I've, I've done for a long time is tried really hard to make the difference in my mind of who's an acquaintance and who's a friend, because mm -hmm. as a person who struggles with anxiety, like in my, in my mind, it's like, if you're my friend and I'm in the city you live in, then like, I'm obligated to see you, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, you're my friend, like I should be seeing you. And so, and so like, say you go to New York city or whatever. Well, if you have 150 friends, quote unquote, that live in New York city and bartend, like my anxiety is like over <laughs> overfloweth, like of how do I manage seeing this? And so like, for me personally, setting that boundary of like, okay, like you are an acquaintance. If I run into you at the bar, it's so great to see you. But like, just because I'm in your city does not mean that I need to go out of my way above and beyond to make sure that I'm setting time aside to see you. Because for me, that creates really unhealthy, like places mentally for me to, you know, yeah. try to figure out how to m navigate that. That makes complete sense to me. And there's, I, I, I I'm like, that's probably some, that's absolutely something I need to work on too, because I, I also feel that way <laughs> that like, and then obviously pre COVID time when we were all traveling all over to everyone's cities and you'd always put up the message, like who's working or, you know, and um, I think about that now. And then more often than not, what I would end up doing is not see anyone. And I would do, you know, I would just do what I wanted to do because that was, you know, I wanted to go because you're living your life <laughs> and, you're, and you're not like on a working bar tour of whatever city you're in but like yeah so when you're saying like um you know uh going out of your way is really a uh, then that is and that is a special kind of investment into those truer friendships um but i agree with you like like again not to not to at all like diminish how strong um that sense of camaraderie is in our industry but those boundaries are so healthy because like i in the past i didn't do that in the past i would really like um when i first started the like networking and going to community events and stuff anytime i was in a city where i had just met like 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 the post camp run amok thing like where you just met mm -hmm. 100 people and then all of a sudden you're in a new city it's like okay who from camp is here and i tried right try I would try to go to all the other like I have to go like the first time I, and New York is a great example because the first time I, I went to New York I remember I tried to go to all these like squirrel bars and stuff like that and I was exhausted right <laughs> like I uh you know I had a good time but really it's uh, now when I so, like in subsequent tri trips now that I go back I, I just do what I want and um I think it is it's a it's a much it's one it's a much more pleasant experience to 
create your own itinerary with no like obligations to people because it's supposed to be a vacation. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, and it, and no one's feelings were hurt. It's a right. Yeah, no one's feelings were hurt that I didn't, you know, take the opportunity. I think people also understand that like your time is valuable. Um, and that's kind of like, like kind of tying back to how that like feels in my like immediate community. Like I think when I first tried to step into leadership in my community, I first started to think about building the community here in like the South Bay in San Jose. I had, I had a misconception of what a leader should be. And mm. I had, I had unrealistic expectations of myself to make to to become this leader, and I think it's it's something that we do to a lot of our leaders and a lot of our mentors in this industry, as we put them on this pedestal. And if we want to reach that pedestal, we think we have to act a certain way, and we think we have to sacrifice a certain amount. Amount, and you know, and the truth is, a lot of the efforts um, we'll put in sometimes go unrecognized, unreciprocated, like, you know, I remember like early, like USBG meetings, we have like five people there, you know, <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. like so much work and effort into um, trying to make things happen for your community. And it's like, you know, you're not, it's, it becomes a little thankless. And so it took like, it, it takes a special person to <laughs> want to dive into that. But now, like, I re- recognize that that's not necessarily that I was going about it the wrong way, that I had like, I, those unrealistic expectations caught up with me and I, you know, it burnt me out really quickly. So I, now I come in um, from a different place where it's like, it's a slow creep, you know, where it's like, you know, I can affect this person and I can um, connect this person with this person. And then we're going to build that community slowly and gradually and naturally. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, similar. It's, it's a good parallel to how I think a lot of people view like their career trajectory in our field as well. Right. You know, like having these unrealistic expectations of like, I'm, I just want to start bartending immediately or like I want, I've been bartending for a couple of years. Like I want a bar manager job. And that's not to say that certain people aren't maybe ready for that. Mm -hmm or whatever, every circumstance is different, but, you know, like, I do feel like even myself, uh, definitely throughout my career, I've had, like, unrealistic, like, expectations of what I, like, am qualified for, or deserve, or whatever the case may be. Um, Yeah, and I think it's, I think we, we all, see our path and it's and it's kind of like and then not just it's not just limited to this industry like many people in our generation or even the generations before we see this like path of success in this linear format and that's not how it works yeah we're not okay we have a steady step at all yeah totally and uh, you know I'm going to share something that's like a little like vulnerable and you know I actually I was getting ready to text LP um about this the other day and I deleted it because I was like I don't like sounding this way and so yeah but like when we talk about you know our unrealistic um, expectations or how we view success or how we want to be viewed or 
what we think we deserve or whatever, you know, like um, we're both speed rock alumni and I'm sure you've seen that they're doing this mentorship program. It's so incredible. And the women on this list are like fucking rock stars, right? Like I opened the list and I'm like, what an epic and amazing list of women. And then there was this part of me that was like, why wasn't I asked to be one? Girl, I right? thought, why are you reading my mind? <laughs> <laughs> and I like started to text it to LP and then I deleted it. And I sat with that feeling for a while. And then I like reconciled it with myself. And I was like, look at the women on this fucking list. I was like, you might be headed in that direction. I was like, but these women have been like putting in time and effort and energy for two decades in this career. I was like, you've been in this career for a decade. That's, that's great. That's awesome. And you deserve the recognition you've already received. I was like, but like I was, I had to be like, I had to like sit down and have like an honest conversation with myself. I was like, that doesn't, it, it, you know, it's like, A, it doesn't mean that you're like not worthy of it in a lot of ways, but like, don't diminish from what these women have achieved because you want to be seen that way or whatever, you know? I, I'm so, I'm like, uh, you, you like, like reached into my like mind just now because it's so funny because I had a very similar reaction when I saw the exact same list and I'm like, but, the, but then I like I had to reconcile it in the same way I'm like there's it's not and it, it's one of those things and I think that it's there's also this competitive and it's a competitive nature yeah yes we can't, we can't like just forget you know because we still want to be like I mean if I, I like to describe myself as a type a minus in that, <laughs> um, I really give a shit and I really want to do well and I really want to succeed but I will I will stop when I think that it will actually start to harm me you know, so I like, I, I, I have found that that much, a little bit of balance in that, but it's one of those things, like we can't like, and I have to, that happens a lot. That happens a lot when I see, um, uh, not, not competitions per se, cause I don't participate them in it, but like when I see certain recognitions or articles and write-ups and I think, and, and there's always this comparison, right? There's always, this yeah. Stuff little bit and it's it's momentary it never lasts long because at the end of the day you're usually more often than not you're happy for the people that are recognized named or whatever but um yeah it's it's I it's it's one of those things I have to keep telling myself like you have so much yeah so much to be grateful for you have not even that like like the value that we put on certain recognitions how does that, how does that actually, that, that value actually compare to my real life? You know what I mean? Like how much, how, how important is that compared to my daily like health, wellness, you know, living? How, how what proportion of that does that affect you? And it's really not. Um, but yeah, it's the, the perspective that I just have to like remind myself that no, we are, so, we are, I'm, I am truly blessed in this industry. Um, yeah. I know that. And especially coming from like, I know you feel this because you you came from like, um, like Tennessee, right? Like originally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. From a smaller city where nobody like talked about drinks and to be able right. to get any kind of national recognitions, like, like, I mean, that's amazing. And it's, it's not, it's one I want, like, I don't want it to, I, want, I don't want it to seem like, oh, you know, 
you get what you get and you don't complain because <laughs> that's like <laughs> another thing that we are taught as we're young you know but it's mm-hmm. one of those things like yeah no like I I have more blessing than I have complaints and that's that's what I need to cling to and- totally yeah and I, I kind of look at them as like um you know goal setting opportunities for myself mm-hmm. so it's like rather than like uh, you know open the imbibe 75 and be like I'm upset that I'm, I've still not made it on that list or whatever. Be like, have I actually set a goal for myself that that's something I want to achieve yet? No. Then am I surprised I'm not on it? No, I shouldn't be. Like, it's not something I've been actively working towards. I'm not saying that, you know, you can just be like, oh, I want to be on in 575 next year. So, and then all of a sudden, like you will be, but you know, for me, at least personally, like setting achievable goals that are achievable and knowing how I want to like take some actionable steps to maybe get things like that um, helps me kind of have, you know, things I want to achieve, which for me, like having a goal to work towards is really helpful and important and, um, and helps me kind of like tell myself to like, like, but put myself in place a little bit, I guess, you know, be like, okay, well, you know, cool, cool your pants, hotshot. Like you're not all that, like, <laughs> like, you know, you're, you're cool, but like, I feel that there cool. are other cool people too. <laughs> like something I would say to, to all those listeners, cause there's, there's people who like, even after like my tails nomination and stuff, like they, they reached out to me and they were like, how did you do that? Like, how did, cause I want to do that. And I'm like, yo, uh, I don't be nice to me. No fucking clue. <laughs> no fucking clue. But like, um, but the, like for people who are listening to this and like, who maybe feel the same way that like, you know, um, when you see people who you consider your peers or your equals or in terms of talent or skill, and you see them getting recognitions um myself included I'm including myself in that because like who like who the fuck am I but you know like when you see the people that you see your peers and it's like that's not that's not a that's not that says nothing about you that says nothing about you or your skill or you know or your passions or your intelligence says nothing about you and that's that's what I have to keep reminding myself it says nothing about you, about where you are in your personal traje- trajectory of life and career. It is, those are amazing accomplishments for those people because it was right for them at this time. Nothing to do with you. And it's like all about like, yeah, like you said, if that is something that you want someday, then that is going to motivate you to figure out how you can get there. And that like bringing back that back to like kind of like the community, like when I, um, I went to like Tales of the Cocktail for the first time in like 2014, I remember. And I remember seeing all of these things, like, of these events start popping up in my like Facebook feed or whatever. It was like Camp Runamuck, it was ca- the Tales of the Cocktail cat program it was like bar five day. And those things had never been on my radar before, right? And I saw people go to them and I'm like, I want to do that. And then mm-hmm. I did that, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's like, that's, that's what happened. Like I was exposed to it because I started being involved in a greater community. I started reaching out to people who could help me get to those community, those other things. And, you know, I went and I would go and do those things. And that's, that's what's largely what has brought to me to where I am now was because I started in I started opening myself up to 
one community, which led to another, which led to another. Um, and that's, that's how you get to those places is you keep reaching out and you keep, keep reaching up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there, I am such a proponent of like asking for what you want. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like sometimes it's just simply like saying it out loud, telling people what you want to achieve, um, asking for it. And, um, and, uh, I think Chris Patino and I are talking about this a little bit. Also like being okay with hearing no, like asking for what you want and being prepared that no might be the answer. (laughs) Um, and, you know, being able to take that no, and then, you know, move on from there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm big fan of asking for what I want, um, and being prepared for whatever answer comes in turn. Um, so, all right, moving to a new topic just a little bit, but you wrote this incredible article for the Mindfulness Matters campaign that we did for FOH for Dry January. And um, if if anybody listening has not read it, I hope that they do go read it because it's it was very heartfelt and you really put a lot of uh, vulnerability on that on that page and it talks about this topic um, of accountability and um, and how we hold ourselves accountable and you know our community at large and for me that resonates a lot with you know all of us being ready to make really big changes in our industry, right? Like 2020 has inspired most of us, if not, pardon me, all of us to strive for a lot better things for this community. Um, But that's like the easiest part, right? You know, like wanting to make change is the easiest part. The stuff that's hard is making the change and then holding ourselves accountable for those expectations. And when we don't live live up to them, Um, you know, there's a difference I think as well between accountability and cancel culture. Um, and I wish people would talk about that more. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw like a really good, like, I don't know, like Twitter meme, uh, on Instagram the other day that was just like, okay, cool. Like if you cancel your family because they're racist or whatever, then like no one's holding them accountable. Like Mm -hmm. you're not, going to help them change and like no one's going to because you can't you cancel them so um you know I don't like I've I'm terrified of like figuring out how we make changes in this industry because like how how even (laughs) what do (laughs) um um it's gonna work that's what (laughs) like it's really it's it's uh I think during um radical exchange is gonna be brown they had like a coffee seminar last year. And one of the panelists said something like, accountability is a gift. And mm. if, if I am holding you accountable, that means I'm giving you the opportunity to be better. And I'm showing you the way to be better. Um, yeah, whereas like, you know, cancel culture, n- nothing gets better. It just means right. you, you maintain that divide. And that's really hard. That's the thing that's the hardest part of, of choosing. And um, I know I'm, this, these are not my words. I think Ashton Berry has used these words, many people of bringing, calling people some, calling people in rather than calling them out. And mm-hmm. that's really fucking hard. Um, and it takes 
a certain amount of patience and um, like commitment <laughs> to yeah. do that kind of work. And that's, it's hard, but like, it's, I mean, the, the, the best place to start is with yourself because you can't, you can't cancel yourself, right? Right. <laughs> you are stuck with you and you're yeah. stuck with uh, the things you have done and the choices you've made, you're stuck with them. So the first, like starting with yourself is one of like the easier practices, I think. Um, and then you, you start working outward from there. But yeah, that, that like in the piece I talk about, like um, the incident where I, I wore yellow face and as an Asian American person, I don't get a pass for making my culture or not even my culture, a similar culture. Cause I mean, I'm not, I mean, I, I'm, fairly distantly Chinese, but I'm not, you know, that's not a culture mm -hmm. I necessarily identify with. But making a caricature of, of someone else's culture, just because it happens to be similar to mine, doesn't give me a pass. Mm -hmm. um, so I, you know, there, and there, there are, you know, I'm sure there are thousands of small little harmful acts I think we've all done in our bartending career that we should we don't need to necessarily like need to pick at every single one and be like you know reconcile it but you, you have to know that within yourself you have that capability to do harm yeah so once I feel like once you start recognizing that once you start owning up to that and or owning up to the times you did do harm where you knowingly did harm then you, when you recognize people doing harm to you, you, you see it through a more empath empathetic lens. You understand that they're just as human as you, um, depending obviously on the severity of the harm. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, some things that are blatant mean, you know, that's tough to reconcile, but people who don't understand that they're, they're, that they might cause you harm or that they're causing others harm, you know, you are also that person. Yeah. Well, it's a lot easier to just label people as enemies than it is mm -hmm. to label them as, uh, as uh, you know, I don't know, a not enemy, <laughs> a friend. <laughs> um, I'm like a not enemy. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, or a fellow human. Um, this has been on my mind a lot. This doesn't have anything to do with uh, our industry at all, but, you know, with like, with, inauguration coming up and with the insurrection that happened, uh, you know, a week and a half ago. Um, this has just been on my mind a lot, I guess, through the whole, the whole election process. Um, I'm really tired, uh, generally just tired, but, um, I'm, I'm really tired of, of it being like black and white one side or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's like you're a Democrat and you're good or you're a Republican and you are bad. Um, as far as my, this is my uh, bubble of people, right? This, this is, when I'm looking at social media, that's how I, my bubble is viewing the world. Um, <clears throat> and um, it's not, that's just, I've, I'm starting to realize how harmful that is for like humanity. Mm -hmm. Um. And that's been really tough, like, and it's been tough for me personally, right? Because I'm trying to reconcile in my mind, like, no, like, you know, we, we need 
abortion access for all and we need health care for all because that is good and right and that's what we need and you know there's a million examples there's just a couple um and while that is you know like while i believe those are like fundamental things that we need it's really tough for me to recognize that other people see it different ways and that it's not as simple as just saying my what i believe is right and what other people believe is wrong um you know, and like, I guess the whole reason recently that this has been on my mind a lot is because there was an article that came out on, I don't even, I can't even remember where I saw it. I'm sure, I'm pretty sure it was posted on the Thirsty uh, Facebook page, but it was like where brands are donating money to. Yeah. And it was, you know, like Sazerac, Pernod Ricard, Diageo, like all of the big brands, right? And it was like a breakdown of each of them and where they've donated their money to. And like most of them are primarily to the like GOP um, or Republican, you know, party. But there's some often in, in each pie chart, there's a little that goes to Democratic parties too. And, um, you know, the general consensus on this conversation thread is like, fuck them. They're donating to the the others, the evils. But like, I had this thought in my mind of like, what if it's not that simple? No, it's not. It's not at all. It's not like the, our, our favorite brand ambassadors from each of those, you know, organizations are personally de- donating their salaries right. to these, these evil like, lawmakers. That's not at all how it is. And it kind of, it ties back to a much larger and probably we don't have enough time. Uh, right. <laughs> We're like, okay, so this podcast episode is going to be three hours long. <laughs> dives into a larger uh, conversation about uh, the effects of capitalism on, mm-hmm. on, our, uh, on our industry, on our political systems. I mean, those, I mean, more, more often than not, they're not voting or they're not contributing to those 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 campaigns or individuals because they really believe in their values right um, why which is why we you know we react the way we do because we think that their values are corrupt that's not necessarily why these we have to remember they are businesses these businesses are donating in large droves to um those campaigns it, it has to do with the business choices and the economic policies or the, the breaks that they're going to get to help their businesses. And yeah, and that's, that's a whole other conversation about, you know, like the perils of capitalism and how that drives our, our drives our values in a certain direction. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's, yeah, and that, but going back to like, you know, that, that, that that response of us all like saying oh, you know fuck you and it's like it's easy to say fuck you and then like you you'll see that mostly uh, in a lot of those big companies like most of that spending is like you know obviously like it's mitch mcconnell in kentucky and that's bourbon right mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's tough because i you we we all see him as this like gross turtle faced you know, <laughs> evil. yeah evil demon and swamp I- monster <laughs> You can never imagine but you know i i personally know that i am not uh versed enough in political policy to understand um you know to understand all the intricacies of why um businesses form packs and, and do all that so it's 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 i i try it's one of those things like 
I'm not gonna say, oh, I'm never gonna buy Buffalo Trace again, you know, or I'm never gonna buy um, uh, Knob Creek again. You know, I'm not, right. that's not. That's like, not a way to affect any change, right? Like, I guess we could, but I don't, I just thought like, we could do that, I guess, as an industry, we could try that. Um, but there's always gonna be someone. There's always right. gonna be someone and, and, and whoever's making those decisions um, for their companies, um, it, you know, the, your local reps and your the people who you care about that you love and have good relationships, it's not them. Right, and you're hurting them, not the company. I mean, just as a, you know, stark reminder, um, our industry basically did not operate this year and liquor companies are doing better than ever. So like if anybody is like making decisions like that, when it comes to wanting to affect change, like taking something off of your back bar is maybe not the way to do that because the consumer is still going to go to the liquor store and buy the brand that they want. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, I think that's like, that. like if, if, and if in any industry, if our, if your like strategy is to appeal to corporations in our in our in our country, that's like not the way to go. <laughs> right. The way to go is by actually doing work and organizing and doing the things that you can control. We can't, yeah. we can't like I mean there's there's certain there's a limitations to what we can like I won't there's limitations to what we can do. And, and we can, I won't say that we can't affect change um, for brands because we can, we do influence brands. We do influence like trends and sales and things like that. We absolutely do. But like you said, like they're going to keep, they're going to be fine. They're going right. to be alive without us. Um, and I think our energies are better spent um, do, like actually affecting the people that we can really affect, which is our, yeah. our more immediate communities. Absolutely. Um, well, we're, while we're on the topic of pod, of politics, and this is my last question, we're, we're a little long, but I really wanted to talk about this one. So I'm like, whatever, we'll just be long. Um, so I'm not sure if you've seen this, but in Biden's proposed like $1.9 trillion plan for fixing the economy and dealing with the ongoing pandemic, he has proposed eliminating tipped minimum wage and raising the federal minimum wage to ten to fifteen dollars an hour. Um, I've been thinking about tipped wages for like a year now um, because they affect our mental health, um, whether we want to believe it or not. Like working for tips, like it affects your mental health, and it also affects the way guests think that they can treat people who work for tips. Um, there's so much to unpack in this topic, but I guess like, you know, this is something that you brought up is like, how do we defend our humanity when we work for tips? Um, yeah. You know, where do, well, I mean, where well, do we even start? Here's the thing. And like, you know, we've, we, and we, this is something that's been brought up um, a lot um, in the past year is that we know, like many of us recognize now where tipping comes from and it comes from Right. And I mean, if you can think of a more inhumane act, you know, that's that's where this custom comes from. Um, the idea of you don't have to, of not having to pay your workers um, a sufficient amount because, you know, and, and the, it getting made up with in tips. And it still blows my mind because I live in California. I live in the Bay Area. I live in one of the most expensive places in the country. So mm -hmm. our minimum wage 
is already at $15, right? Denver's just came up to 15 um, as well, or it's on its way to 15. So when I hear about states like Texas and I think New York too. Ten- when I worked for tips in Tennessee, my minimum wage was two thirteen an hour. Yeah. I think that's still the minimum wage in Tennessee. That blows my, like what? Like, yeah. How? How is that legal? And that's evil. What? That's the kind of like capitalist shit that like was like real evil to me. Like, yeah, that's, that's fucked. That's fucked. And yeah. I, you know, it's the it, it go it goes back to how we value workers in this industry. Like for you know, what I mean, like this. Um, there's this, there there's a lot of like statistics that came out um, the past year and how all of the lowest paying jobs, custodial jobs, uh, like grocery retail, like uh, food service jobs, you know, agriculture are now considered essential work, right? Mm-hmm. Essential work, but we are not paid essential wages. We are not paid like you need us to survive. That, and that, that disparity is just, I don't know, how, I don't know how to, you know, uh, I'm not gonna pretend to know how, like how we fix that overnight, but right. like it is absolutely and I think and like I and I'm I've been blessed like I, I continue to say I've been blessed in this industry that I've had jobs in areas where tips are great you know what I mean like I didn't you know I I never worried um well I did when I was younger and was working at like small little restaurants and things like that but uh now and as the past my past like 10 years as a bartender you know it was great money and uh you know I was happily happily ignorant until this these past couple years this past year particularly but it's it's so it's so crazy the amount of abuse and the amount Mm. of um just shit we take as restaurant and bar workers um because we're so afraid of um you know not making that 20%, 15%, 10%. Um, right. So that when it does happen, when we get like that $1 tip on like a $50 tab, we are fucking pissed. <laughs> we are like, you know, right. we are so hurt by it. We take it so personally. Um, and the, the, there was, um, and I've talked um, a little bit about this, like, especially with like my, my teammates, my younger teammates who, you know, don't know necessarily how to interact with them. When people are unruly and when people are rude and where people are um, just dicks and you still have to be nice to them. Um, it, it's one of those things that it has become like a sort of mini practice in developing that language in order to defend myself, in order mm-hmm. to, especially as a woman, especially as a woman when like, I would always get that, like those like, oh, so what are you questions, you know, when they're asking. <laughs> you have that like ugh, reaction that I always have and you know and um years ago I would have just like you know laughed at it while I swallowed up the harm that it did me maybe cry about it later you know those kind of things and now I am because I have practiced a lot more in this and developing whatever language I needed to respond to that yeah. Like I had to like write it down. Like I didn't just like come up with a great response. It's the same thing. Like how the first time you ever cut someone off, 
Yeah. Great at handling that situation. <laughs> oh yeah, guaranteed the first time you cut somebody off, it did not go <laughs> as you planned. As you went on, as years went on, you got more comfortable doing it because you knew you found the you found better ways to do it. You found a better the the right words, the right tone, you know, that kind of thing. So like similarly, like I when when it came to people. Um, saying offensive things about me, disregarding me as a female behind the bar, questioning my ethnicity behind the bar. I had to like figure out what what would I really want to say to that person, and it can't just be fuck you, because <laughs> as much right. as you, it can't just be fuck you, right? Because like as a tipped employee, uh, right? And uh, you're also affecting your if you're you know like as in a tip pool, like yeah. you're not just affecting your own tips, right? You're affecting your whole teammates' tips. So like that took, took, it took me kind of breaking down and sitting with what would I want to say in this, these situations? How would I want to make sure? And what it came down to is I would want to make sure that that person knew that what they said did harm to me, but in a way so that they would not want to do harm to others. So mm -hmm. I would start like when people would start that inevitable question, like, what are you? Or like, you know, where are you from? Or, no, where are you really from? I would you know, I would always start off with the questions like, why is that important to you? And, you know, like they, you know, half the time, sometimes I get like a, a sincere answer. It's like, oh, I just culturally I'm interested. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, we can talk about culture. That's fine. But sometimes, you know, it would throw them off guard enough to question why they asked it in the first place. And they would, you would see that like formation in their brain. Like maybe that wasn't a great question to ask someone. Okay. And I would like, and if it was something that was really dumb, I would be like, that that's not a great question to ask someone and sometimes they didn't know they honestly thought that they could just like say whatever they, to make conversation and it's those are like little battles that I would win every day and they would like they would they would heal me a little bit every time um, and it was so much more helpful than either just running away or bottling up or laughing it off um, I think yeah. that like, I think we as service professionals, hospitality professionals, we have, and this is again, going back to where service comes from and like its, old, like its oldest roots, um, we have this tendency to believe that our service should come before everything else, but that's not mm -hmm. true. Our service should never ever come at any cost to any part of our humanity. And that's something that I think as an industry, we need to remind ourselves every day. That's like the whole, the customer is always right. The customer is not. Oh. Always. Um, they're, they're, and that's not just like about being like a tipped employee. That's just like when you are providing um, a service to people, when you are serving people, when you are, you know, literally waiting hand and foot on people, there's, there's, there's something that we have to we have to constantly remind ourselves that you know this this isn't worth any bit of my humanity and i am allowed to voice that if i feel that it is you know uh, yeah. if it is doing me harm and if it is i am allowed to voice that now yeah. I, that doesn't mean like fuck you like i said that means us finding the words and finding the language and um, LP said this a lot in our in our like tale seminar. She talked about like language, and I I'm, I love listening to her because like it's so important. Language is so important, and practicing using that language is so important. 
because just like just like when you that first time you cut off compared to like the hundredth time you cut someone off you had developed those skills so it's a practice and yeah. something it shouldn't be should not be ignored and it should be something that people actively try to do for themselves at the very least with your guests and then with your managers and then who with whomever you know you need to to defend yourself and stand up for yourself in this industry yeah absolutely i always like the analogy of like if you had all these people in your home and they treated you this way like would you that would that be okay um because like you are welcome people into your home at your bar and restaurant um and so like doesn't you know they should still treat it as if it's your home um and treat you as if you are welcoming them into your home so um well we have we've certainly hit our time limit and this has been such an awesome conversation um Thank you so much for having me. This has been uh, like these conversations also like affect me in a very positive way. Like my heart, like same, <laughs> same. Well, I guess we'll wrap up with. Um, I would love to know if you have any advice for anyone listening as to how they can, you know, take steps to make change in their community. Um, for people that are looking to you know, to speak up for what they believe in, like what, what words of wisdom would you like to leave them with? Um, and this is absolutely something that I've been trying to do is start with yourself, start with forgiving yourself, start with holding yourself accountable, start with relearning things you need to relearn, start with everything that you need to start healing yourself before you reach out. Once you feel you're in a better place, um, once you feel like you, you've shifted your own perspective, that's when you can really start reaching out and bringing others in with you and finding people who are on that same journey because you're gonna find them. You're gonna find so many people who are on that same kind of journey with you. So you don't have to stand alone. Mm -hmm. uh, so start with yourself, find, reach, and reach out to other communities you didn't think to reach out to. Reach it not just in our industry, not just, you know, reach out to places who, who are voicing the same things as you, but maybe in a parallel way. And you'll find a whole new community who will stand up with you. Hell yeah, I love that. All right, love. Well, I hope you have a really great weekend and uh, I hope I get to see you one day soon. I know, me too. <laughs>